Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. Well, again, good morning. And as we say, almost every single week, we are so happy that you are here with us, trusting us with some of your time. We know that time is valuable And so we are grateful that you are here trusting us with a portion of that. And we want to encourage you to keep showing up, get plugged in, and get involved with what God is doing here at EBC. Because I can tell you, God is doing some incredible things in this church right now, okay? And so you don't want to miss being a part of that. And so if this is your first time with us by chance, maybe you're visiting us, maybe someone's been uh, asking you again and again and again to come visit, and you finally have given in, you're here for the first time, I want to ask you to do two things for me. One, in the bulletin, there is a connect card. Please fill that out. It will take you maybe 30 seconds. Okay, fill that out. And the second thing, on your way out today, drop it in the black box on your way out so we can know that you are here, so we can celebrate that with you, because we want to start a conversation with you and just and talk to you and just see how things are going. So please do that if this is your first time with us. If you're, if you're, if you're with us online, maybe this is your first time, drop a comment in the stream. Let us know that you are here And we want to encourage you again to keep coming back. Um, I can't say this enough. God is doing some incredible things in this church. And uh, so this morning we are going to continue in our series uh, through Genesis that we started um, the second week of of January this month. And this morning we're going to spend time with a particular individual that maybe you are familiar with. This man's story begins in Genesis 6 and ends in Genesis 9. And so we're going to spend time with this man. And this man has been talked about a lot, especially when it comes to our children. We say, we've, we've said from the beginning of this series that a lot of these stories, a lot of these moments in Genesis, they are the foundational stories that we teach our children. These are the stories that the Sunday School lessons are about. So this man is familiar to many. And so the man that I'm talking about is Noah. We're going to spend time uh, with Noah this morning. And he is uh, most familiar, most known by his uh, story with the great flood in Genesis. And while there are many things throughout his story that we could spend time on, because there really is a lot that happens in those three chapters, um, this morning what I want to do in our time together is look at his decisions that he made throughout these chapters. And what, what I'm hoping to do is that these will serve as an example for us. Because what I believe is that there are some things that are similar to what was happening then to what is happening now. And so we're going to use that as an anchor to keep us focused on Noah and the example that he gives. Because what I believe with every part of me is that every word in the Bible that we read, it was given to us with a purpose. There is nothing about God that is accidental. There is nothing about God that, that has no purpose. Everything he does, everything that he says to us, to the church, to the culture, it is with a purpose. It is with an intention. And that purpose is to change us and to transform 
conform us more into the likeness of him. Okay? And so what we're going to see this morning is that we're going to use that as an anchor. But before I dive into Noah's story, before we dive into that, I want us to spend a moment reading from Ephesians chapter 2. So if you're able to, I want to invite you to stand with me for a moment as we read through Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And this one verse is going to be part of this anchor that we're going to have this morning. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, a very familiar verse to some It says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We pray with me, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the incredible time of worship that we've had. And more so, we are incredibly thankful that we have a Jesus who can radically change every single person that listens to him. And that you use us to be instruments. You use us to make your purpose happen in this life. And so, Father, I pray right now as we spend some moments with a familiar individual, as we spend time, uh, spend some time walking through his story, God, that even though this may be a familiar story. This may be a familiar moment. God, I pray that you give us fresh eyes. Give us a fresh spirit, a fresh heart to what you're saying. Because what I know, what I believe is that no matter how many times we approach your word, whether it be the first time or the 500th time, God, that every single time you speak something new to us. So Father, I pray right now you would do that thing. You would speak something new to us through the life of Noah. Father, give me the ability to speak clearly and effectively. And let there be no question, let there be no doubt that every word given this morning, every word spoken, every song that has been sung and that will be sung, God, everything about today is to point as many people to you and to you only. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who gives us a reason for living, who gives us a reason to do anything that we do. And so we love you. We thank you. It's your name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. We want to encourage you, as always, to follow along in the note sheets in your bulletin. They are there for a reason, because what I know is that I need God to speak to me more than just two days a week. I know that. And maybe you're the same. You need God to speak to you more than just two days a week. So we do these things. We make these note sheets for you to follow along and to go back to. But as we've been doing in this series so far, we're going to spend uh, some moments here and there within uh, chapters 6 through 9 as we look at Noah's life. And with that being said, let's dive into the first question for us to consider this morning. And number one is this. Do you know what God is asking you to do? Do you know what God is asking you to do? To begin, I want us to go and look at Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 through 14 where Noah comes face to face with this question of, does, do I know what God is asking me to do? But in Genesis 6, verses 11 through 14, it says this, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. 
make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So before we uh, talk about what's going on in these verses, we have to understand the full context. We have to understand the, the full context of what's going on. So let me take a few moments and explain what's going on prior to these verses. In the opening uh, portions of Genesis 6, we see that God, he looks at creation. He looks at what he made. He looks at where they were and realizes that they were very far from the original purpose he had. He looked at them and said, man, they are really in a bad place and they are really far away from my original purpose. We said in the first week of the series that when God created everything, when God made earth, when he made Eden, when he made every possible thing that we see, it was made with perfection. There was no mistakes. There was, there was no need to second guess. No, he made everything with perfection and everything with a purpose. We saw that, that man had, had, had a purpose to rule over creation and that women, women had had the, the responsibility of helping. So everything that we see came with a purpose. And so God says, hey, listen, they are very far away from that. And in his response, he experiences regret. And I love that because it tells me that God knows exactly what it feels like to be human. Because you know what it's like to experience regret. Maybe you're in that place right now. You know how hard it is to get out of that place. So this tells me that, that God knows exactly what it means to experience regret. So he experiences regret and he makes the decision to wipe out humanity. In other words, he says, you know what? I'm going to hit the reset button on this. Because they're so far from my original purpose that they are so corrupt in their, in their ways that I need to hit the reset button. And, I, and as I see this, as I, as I was working through this this week, I see just this heavy parallel between how the culture was then and how the culture is today. Because not much has changed. You see, the culture today still attempts to influence people to act in a way, to live in a way, to think in a way, and talk in a way that gets them further and further away from God's original purpose. Okay, I said this a few weeks ago. When it comes to marriage, there's only one option. Okay, one option. Male, female, that's it. When it comes to genders, two options, male, female, that's it. Okay, so I don't know where we got this idea that we can choose because we didn't make ourselves, God did, hello. So he gets to decide who we are. And so even today, the culture is trying to get us further and further away from God's original purpose. And during this experience, Noah is recognized as a righteous man among the people. And what we see happen as a result is that God moves towards humanity despite their flaws and their decisions. You see, God had decided to wipe the earth, to hit the reset button, but then he saw Noah. And all of a sudden it changed. All of a sudden he decided not to wipe the complete humanity off the map, but to save someone to carry on. Why? Because he was righteous. He was good above everybody else. And in verses 11 through 14, we see God share his intention and plan with Noah. And while doing this, God gives Noah a set of very specific directions of what to do. So the question then becomes, how does this connect to us and where we are today? Well, I believe in order to answer that question, we have to go back to the takeaway. Do you know what God is asking you to do? Because see, what I believe with every fiber in my being is that God is still asking questions today. God is still talking to Christians and asking them to do things. 
He hasn't stopped doing that. If you need proof of this, let me just tell you one thing that will support my belief. God woke you up this morning. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. He could have just called you home. But he didn't. He woke you up for a reason. He woke you up with a purpose. So as I think about this, I just want you to consider where you are When you think about where you've been placed, are you considering what God is asking you to do? Are you asking him, hey, God, what what are you calling me to do right now? Because, again, I I believe every movement of God, every word spoken by God is spoken and given with a purpose in mind. He wants to move you from where you could be by yourself to where you can be with him. Okay? And so when I think about this, I think all of us fall into one of three groups, one of three responses, if you will. So the first one is this. Maybe you recognize it. Maybe when someone asks you the question, do you know what God's asking you to do? You can recognize it. You can say, yes, I know full well. I know wholeheartedly what God is leading me to do. Or maybe you're in the second group. You avoid it. You say, yes, I know what God's calling me to do, but fill in the blank. Yes, I know where God's calling me to go, but fill in the blank. Or there's a third group, you're unaware of it. And we, we, we would not admit that one, right? It, 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 it feels bad to say that out loud, right? But here's the reality. That's where some people are, and maybe that's you right now. Maybe no matter how hard you pray, no matter how, many, no matter how hard you try to read the Bible, just something within you, there's a block that you just say, I, I just don't know what God is calling me to. I don't know what he's asking me to do. I believe it's fair to say that that Noah fell into the first group, that he recognized what God called him to do. And you you might think, well, of course he's Aaron. Like, God told him directly. And and, and let's be honest, it's pretty hard to miss what God says when he talks directly to you, right? And we, you know, we, we, we read about all these moments about people talking to God and being spoken to by God. And listen, that still happens today. You want to know how? This right here. There's a reason why we encourage you to dive into your word every single day of the week, because God is still talking to us. But are we always listening? That's why we say, get into your word. So maybe you're here this morning, and, and, and everything in you wants to say that you are in that first group. You want to claim, I am team one, I'm in that first group. But the truth is, it's actually different for you. Because what we try to communicate externally doesn't always match internally. Right? What we try to put on for people outside of us is not always matching to what's going on on the inside. That's why we say all the time, hey, how, how are you doing? And our, most of our responses are, I'm good. I'm all right. But how many times are we just lying to people? How many times are we just avoiding that awkward conversation of someone asking us, hey, what's going on? Because it's awkward, right? It's intimidating. But listen, that is the point of being in a church for someone to know what's going on with you. Okay, there is no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. There's not. If that was a thing, he wouldn't have called his disciples. He wouldn't have. If that was true, he wouldn't call us today to do things for him. So if you are trying to buy into that, that mindset that I can do this all by myself, listen, that is a lie for me and stop listening to him. 
Okay, because no matter how strong you may be, no matter how smart you may be, there will be days that you get knocked on your backside and you can't get up by yourself. That's just the truth. So maybe you would say that no matter how hard I try, I, I, I'm really just in groups two or three. Can I tell you something that might give you some encouragement this morning? Just because you find yourself in a place of avoiding it or not knowing it, that does not mean you have to stay there. Just, be, just, just like God moved towards humanity then, he is moving towards humanity now. Just because you may not know what God is asking you to do right now, that, does, that doesn't mean you can't discover it over time. Sometimes we get into this place that's just bad of just thinking that, well, I don't know it now, I'll never know it. Stop believing that. Listen, you are a work in progress the only time that you'll, made, that you'll be made complete is when you're standing in front of God, okay? So stop trying to be perfect on this planet. We have enough of people like that, okay? It is not possible. Your pastors can't do it. Your leadership can't do it. You can't do it. So what would happen if we would stop trying to rely on our own strength and rely on the strength that has the power to empty the grave and take the power away from the grave? That wouldn't even my notes. So wherever you are, that does not mean to stay there. Because listen, that, that's the whole reason why Jesus went to the cross. For you to leave where you were to go to where you're meant to be. That was the point. And so we see this first question, do you know what God is asking you to do? But as we continue to work through the story of Noah, as we continue to work through his life, we come to our second question to consider this morning. And number two is this, do you follow through on what God is asking you to do? Do you follow through on what God's asking you to do? Listen, there is a major difference between knowing what God's calling us to do and actually following through. Two different things. You can know all you want what God's calling you to do, but do you follow through on that? And what we see in the life of Noah is that he follows through. And so I want to look at two verses that give they, they're different verses, but they communicate the same thing. The first place of Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And then if you jump down to chapter 7, verse 5, you see this, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. So as we read through those verses, we see that, that Noah followed God's instruction to the letter. There was no variation. There was no change. No, it was to the letter. And in addition to being told to build a boat that would be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, Noah is told to bring into the ark two of all living creatures and bring seven pairs of clean animals and one pair of unclean animals. Talk about a stinky boat. Right? Between the people and the animals. Stinky, okay? So not only was, was Noah given this task to do this, this incredible, what seemed like senseless thing, he was told to be on a boat with stinky animals. Okay, and, that did, and, and on top of all of this, it was going to rain for 40 nights, okay? And now listen, that did not include the time it took for the waters to recede, okay? So Noah and his family spent 370 days in that boat. Could you do that? 
And maybe your ask is not building a boat. Maybe your ask is, going, is, is, is being called to do something different. Maybe your ask is being called to go somewhere different. Can you do that? I have to imagine that Noah, he had moments where he questioned whether or not he should keep going. Maybe he looked at the work ahead. Maybe he looked at all the animals and just realized, I'm going to be in this boat. Like, can I keep going? And I'm, I have to imagine, and I'm sure that people made comments as they watched Noah build this massive boat, right? Like, if someone was to come here at Eubank and build a giant boat, we'd all be like, um, question, several questions, actually. Right? And we would almost make, we'd almost make a movie of it, right? I mean, Evan Almighty, they did that, right? We'd be like, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you building a giant boat? Like, it rains a lot in Kentucky, but not enough to, to carry a boat down the road, right? And so despite all of that, despite the voices in his head, despite the voices around him, Noah still followed through and did everything that the Lord told him to do. Sometimes we know what God's calling us to do, but then we try to change the details up a little bit, right? Let me change this a little bit to make it easier for me. But Noah didn't do that. Noah didn't cut some corners. Noah didn't, didn't skip out on the height or the width or the length of the boat. He followed through to the letter. So as I think about how these verses connect with us today, I go back to those three responses that we talked about a few moments ago. I want you to know this. Your response influences your ability to follow through. Your response to God's ask influences your ability to follow through. You see, if, someone, if, 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 if you're someone that recognizes what God is asking you to do, you'll more than likely keep the focus and follow through no matter what. You might even look ahead to what's next, right? You might complete that project, follow that decision, and think, okay, what, what is next? If you're someone that avoids the things that God asks you to do, you might be more focused on excuses than God. Yes, but fill in the blank with an excuse. Now, this may sound harsh, but I want to call things as they are. I told you all that a few weeks ago. That I, I made a commitment. I'm, I'm not holding back. Like, we're not, we're not wasting time. We're, we're saying truth as truth, and that's God's word. So if you're in that place of avoiding it, maybe you have said things or you hear things like this. I know what God's asking me to do. But listen, I just don't have the time right now. I know where God's leading me, but there's just so much going on right now. I just, I just can't afford to, to add one more thing to, to my schedule, to what's going on. Or maybe you, you've heard something like this. I've known what God's asking me to do, but I just don't feel confident or comfortable yet. Plus, there are other people who can do it, so I'll let them handle it. Can I just speak on behalf of those who are often thought of as doing everything, because that's, that's what people think pastors are, they do everything. It is not just my job to do the kingdom work. It's not just Kevin's job to, to, to do the kingdom's work. It's your job too. So maybe you're here and you've thought that, you've even said that, that it's just, there's other people here, they can do it. Listen, I'm going to bring back something I said a few moments ago. God woke you up this morning to do something that is unique to you. Yes, other people can do these things, but some things he has called you to do and nobody else. So what if you claiming others can do it? What if someone around you misses out because of you? 
What if someone around you misses out on what God has planned for them? In other words, there are things that we need to stop avoiding and just start doing. I said this in our first service. The gospel is so simple that even kids can get it. Kids are excited to be involved in church. And sometimes more than adults. So if the kids can get it, which, by the way, we've had five kids in this county this week give their life to Jesus. Three of them at the school and two of them here in this church. If they can get excited about going into church and getting involved, why can't we as adults? If they're excited to get things rolling and they're not going to win on somebody else, why can't we? We're supposed to be the examples to our kids, right? Listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not shaming you because I, I get it. I face that every single day with, with Emberlyn. I, I know I have, to, I have to be the example for her. I have to show her what it's like to live as best I can a Christian life. But there are things that we avoid that we just need to stop avoiding and start doing. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say that you don't know what God is asking you to do. So how, how can you follow through on that, right? If that's you, can I ask you one simple question? What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? On Wednesday, try to without getting emotional. On Wednesday, when everything was said and done, everybody was gone. Went downstairs to lock everything up. And there was a student down there was blasting praise music and was on his knees praying and crying out to God because he felt that he couldn't hear God. If you want an example, there you go. Most people, they feel that. They know they can't feel or hear or sense God, and they just sit in that. They do nothing about that but we're not called just to sit. We're called to actually go and do something. So what do you do about that? Do you let yourself get lost in those emotions, get lost in those feelings, or do you do something about that? In Jeremiah 29, 13, there is a really, really beautiful promise that that we're given. I just want to read that for a moment. Jeremiah 29, 13. If you will seek me and find me, when you seek me with all your heart. What's this tell us? It's a very simple statement. God will constantly show up as long as we constantly look. But sometimes we don't look very well, do we? Sometimes we, we look, but maybe we're looking in the wrong place. Maybe you're here and you've been constantly asking questions, why God, why God, why God? Maybe you just need to stop talking, just listen to God. There's a point in Scripture where God says, hey, stop talking. In Exodus 14, 14, God says, just be silent and let me fight for you. So there's a point where God says, hey, stop talking. <laughs> and some of us, that, that's our issue, right? We just, don't, we, just, we just keep talking in our heads, right? We have the conversation over and over again. Why God, why God, why me, why me? And God says, hey, stop talking for a moment and listen to what I'm trying to tell you. So what if, for those of us that feel at times that God is not present, God is not here, what if that's because we're not looking in the right place for God? 
I mean, the disciples, they went looking for Jesus in the tomb. He wasn't there. People thought that Jesus would be a major powerhouse coming through, destroying nations, doing incredible things. He came in the form of a baby. So what if God's in the places that we're not even thinking about right now? As we begin to conclude this morning's conversation, I just want to invite us to consider just one more question. The third takeaway for us this morning from the story of Noah is this. Number three, do you remember and recognize God in the end? When you get to that place and you feel that you have finally done what you were called to do, do you remember and recognize God in the end? I want to go back for a moment to Genesis chapter 8 where we see again Noah come face to face with this question. In Genesis 8 verses 18 through 22, check out what it says. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done, as I have done, as long as the earth endures Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So what we see in these verses is that the very first thing Noah does after getting off the boat is that he builds an altar. That's the very first thing he does. He doesn't go and see how things are different. He doesn't go and see the aftermath of the great flood. He doesn't go and try to find what the new normal is going to be like. He builds an altar to the Lord with his family, which was an act of remembrance for them. See, during that, during that time when an altar was built, if you read through the Old Testament, you would read that it was built often after a significant moment or event. So that, that, that they would build an altar to remember that moment and to recognize God in that moment. So in these verses, Noah builds an altar to remember this moment and recognizes God's decision to move towards humanity. And God's response to Noah's altar and his sacrifice is to make a long-term promise. See, God promises to never curse the ground and destroy all living creatures. In a few moments, our uh, worship team, they're going to come back up and they're going to lead us in a song. We're going to have an opportunity to respond to God's word. But before we do that, I just want to offer one more consideration for us, And that consideration is, what does it mean for us that God made a long-term promise? You see, the, the promise that God spoke was not just for that moment. It wasn't a one-time kind of deal. It was a promise that was spoken for the generations to come. Because this promise that he gave Noah and his family, he is still continuing to give that same promise to us again and again and again. Because God even said our hearts as humans are evil. So why in the world would God give us any more time? And you know why? Because he loves us. And he made a promise back then that is still true today. And we see this reality in Genesis chapter 8, or chapter 9, sorry, chapter 9, 
verses 12 through 17. I want to read that to you. Genesis 9, chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. In verse 17, so God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. So not only, not only does God speak the promise, but he gives the promise an image. He gives the promise a picture. And that image is a rainbow in the sky. And can I just say a few things that culture needs to understand? The rainbow does not represent a specific gender. The rainbow does not represent a series of colors that makes things look good. The rainbow does not represent a sexual or gender preference. The rainbow does not represent a preferred lifestyle. The rainbow represents an everlasting promise made by the everlasting Father who was here in the beginning, is here now, and will be here to the very end when everything else is gone. That's what a rainbow means. That's what it means. No other options. See, God is the authority of creation, which means that he gets to define the meaning of something. So when God established that the rainbow meant a promise, that's what it means then, that's what it means now, that's what it will mean forever. Let me bring up just one more thing that's already been said. God will constantly show up for us. If you notice that promise that God spoke, he even said that it is for the generations to come, which includes you. You are part of that generations to come. And because of this, we can be confident that we will find him when we truly look for him. In a minute, I'm going to pray for us and the team will come back up and they'll lead us in a song. And this will be a time for you to respond to the conversation God has been having with you. I, I really believe, and I, and I say this every weekend, I truly believe this. It's not just one of the things that I say. No, I believe this. That God started a conversation with you before you even walked into the door today. See, God knew that you were going to be here today. God knew that you would be a part of today's conversation so maybe you're here this morning and you know what God has been asking you to do, but there's something that is keeping you from following through. There's something that is stopping you or holding you back. This time of worship that we'll have is going to be a space for you to encounter God and what he has to say. Because maybe you're here and you would say that you don't know what God is asking you to do, or even more, you feel like he is silent or distant. One, that's a lie. God proved his love for us by going to the cross. And if he was a God moving then, he's a God moving now. So one, that, that, that is a lie. But maybe, maybe even on a deeper level, the reason why you feel like God is silent, distant, or not present is because maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you've been playing church, you show up, 
You get involved, you sing the songs, you raise your hands, you fill out the notes, but you've never made that commitment. Listen, you can do all those things, but all those things mean nothing without Jesus. At that point, you're just going through motions. That's it. So maybe you're here this morning and you know, you know at the, at, at the deepest party that you have never made a commitment to Jesus. Maybe that's where you got to start this morning. What I know is that having a relationship with Jesus is the place to start. Because we try to find the thing that makes everything make sense. We try to find the thing that will balance our schedule, that will balance our emotions, balance our mental health, balance our physical health. Listen, the only thing, only thing that can do that is Jesus, okay? And a lot of people think, well, I have to have all my ducks in a row before. No, stop doing that. God knows you're a mess. He does. God knows you're messed up. God knows there's things about you that you, don't, that you need to get right. He knows that, but yet he still invites us to come to him. In fact, he says, all those who are weary and burdened, which hello is everyone these days, right? All who are weary and burdened, come to me, and then I'll give you rest. You have to come first before you get rest. You can't, you, there, there's no other option. So maybe you're here, and that's where you got to start. Maybe today is the first time you actually make a full commitment to Jesus. You stop playing games, you stop going through the much, and you say, you know what, I am, I am truly all in for you, Jesus. Whatever your decision is, the, listen, the gospel is simple. If you want Jesus, two things have to happen. You have to believe in your heart that you're a sinner who needs Jesus, only Jesus. And you have to confess that with your mouth. That's it. So if you're here and you've never done that, listen, that's where you got to start. And while they're singing, I'll be up here. If you have questions, come talk to me. Don't leave this place exactly as you were when you came in. Because that's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is for you to change every single day and get closer and closer and closer and closer. In case you miss it, closer to Jesus. But whatever your conversation, whatever your decision is that you have to make this morning, I just want to encourage you to take the time to meet with God because I can promise you he is here and he will show up for you every single time. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for who you are. We... We thank you that you are a God who is always consistent, is never silent, is never distant. Even though sometimes we are exactly that. At times we're not consistent. At times we're the ones that are quiet. We're the ones that are silent. We're the ones that aren't doing anything. And we're just sitting here waiting for you to know you call us to do something. You call us to be an active participant in what you're doing. That's why you're someone to the cross for us. You want us to be a part of what, of, of what you're doing. And that starts with our private life, our private conversation with you. God, I, I believe with every person in this building, actually, not just who's here in this room, but even our kids, you are asking them to do something. I believe that. God, I pray that as we discover what that is, as we go through the growing pains of getting closer and being more like you, God, that we would recognize that we would seek you. You tell us that if we seek you with everything, that you will, that we'll find you every single time. So God, I just want to pray for the ones that are, that are avoiding what they're being told to do. I pray that you would just break down that pride, break down that, that lack of confidence, break down that, that sense of being comfortable, break down whatever it is in the way of them following through with what you called them to do. 
And Father, I pray for the ones that have no earthly idea what that is. I, I pray for the ones that feel lost, that feel like you are distant, that you're silent. And I, I pray that you would just break those lies, break those messages, God. And I pray that you would just, just reveal yourself to them. God, your gospel is so simple that even kids can get it. And five kids got it this week. So if we truly seek you, if we truly give effort to finding you, we, we will find you. So Father, whatever the conversation is that you're having, continue that right now as we worship, as, as we respond to you. Father, we love you. We thank you. And it is in your powerful name that we pray. Amen.